1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, USBets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bets Senior Analyst, Diamond Jeff Edelstein. Last week, Jeff, we discussed our mixed feelings about succession entering its final season and your lack of feelings about Ted Lasso doing the same. And here we are a week later, and another beloved show has announced its wrapping up. The Bill Hader series Barry returns in April for what will be its fourth and final season. I have to be honest, I'm amazed they've wrung anything more than about two seasons out of this concept. Jeff, how are you feeling about this latest final season announcement? And uh, set some odds. How big a favorite or underdog is the title character to be alive when the series ends?
2: All right, I can do that. So you know, I like the show, but it's I, it's weird in my. It doesn't occupy much space in my brain. Mm. I have a hard time remembering a lot of it. I think partially because it's like it's like part slapstick comedy, part you know thriller, part you know murder mystery. I mean, it's it's right. you know it's got everything. So I guess in the end, I'm I'm not gonna be that. I'm, I'm not gonna miss it when it's gone. Yeah, but I like it. And I'm I'm definitely intrigued for the final season. And it, come on, man, Barry, you know, without giving anything away, I can't. How could he stay How could he be standing at the end? Like, right? He's he's got to die somehow, right? I mean, I you know, Barry at times is a hero. At times he's a villain. Like you know, he did things he had to do. He did things he didn't have to do. I I, I don't know. I, he's got to be dead. Minus two fifty. I say Barry's dead.
1: Okay. So I I I would have said. Maybe Barry ends up in prison and not dead, but um, he's there. Right, right, right. Uh, we'll we'll leave it at that so as not to get deeply spoilery. But uh, yeah, th- since he's there entering the season, let's uh, let's just say that that one feels like a long shot that he ends up that way. So I, too, feel like he's almost certainly got to die. Minus 250. That's that's probably not steep enough. I think I would bet that minus 250. Although if you gave me odds of like plus 2000 or greater, I would bet on a spoof of The Sopranos ending ending. You know, like uh, you got NoHo Hank out there trying to parallel park outside uh, the Stephen Root <laughs> characters eating an onion ring. Maybe instead of Don't Stop Believing, it's some crappy foreigner song playing and, and cut to black with Barry's fate uncertain. Uh, I'd, I'd bet that at 20 to one. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with the way you feel about the show. It's uh, it's been a very good show all along, but I, I personally stopped short of calling it a truly great show. And um, unlike Succession, which I have mixed feelings about it coming to an end. Barry absolutely has to end soon. This is entirely the right decision, and there's not really a "but I'm really going to miss it" kind of counterpoint. So uh, here, yeah.
2: here's here's a question for you. I, I'm, we're going to dive a little bit into Bill Simmons 's territory here. Okay. If there was like a Hall of Fame for actors, like mm-hmm. legit, the, is Stephen Root a Hall of Famer? It's a great <sighs> question. That is a great question. Uh, he's so good <laughs> in everything, but he's never been the man, right? Right. He's been, He's awesome. Anything he's in, it's automatically done. (laughs) So
1: it's – although is he a bit one-note? Does he have a lot of – I'm not sure how versatile he is. He kind of mm. his characters are always kind of a, a riff on the same guy, sort of. And and maybe I'm colored by the fact that I heard some behind the scenes stories once a long time ago about how on news radio, someone was like at one of the uh, one of the live tapings and he took like a billion takes to get every line like that. He like. He flubs every line. Apparently, I don't know how true that right. is, but that's what I had heard. But I mean, it's a fascinating question. An acting Hall of Fame. I don't know where the cutoff. Uh, you know how how exclusive this Hall of Fame is is. If it's like the baseball Hall of Fame, where you're getting one or two guys in a year, he's probably not making it. But if it's if it's one of the other kinds of halls of fame where they they're putting in ten people a year, eventually you're getting down to the character actors and uh, and. Then, then he's kind of a Hall of Famer.
2: All right. I, you know, we don't have to worry. I'm sure I'm going to invest about the next, like, 80 hours of, like, brain time on thinking about this, figuring out what, what would qualify as a Hall of Famer for, for this <laughs> fictional Hall of Fame. I'm on uh, it. Right. Don't worry.
1: Yes, I, I fully believe that you will be failing to get work done for a while <laughs> because of this this idea bouncing around your head. Yeah, fair bet. <laughs> okay. Uh, Thank you to everyone for joining us for Gamble On episode number 232 out of a thousand. If you missed any of our previous 231 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Um, By the way, how do you know, listeners, that we're really podcasters and not two hitmen pretending to be podcasters? You, You don't. Therein lies the underlying tension of Gamble On
2: always as always larry right, listen coming up a little later in the show we we're bringing on uh, gold derbies chris rosen we're talking everything oscar with chris he's awesome guest stay tuned for that but first as always eric let's get to the news
0: here's your gamble on news of the week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling
1: I introduced you this week as Diamond Jeff, not Exasperated Jeff, Uh, but I'm pretty sure our first story this week is going to bring Exasperated Jeff out. It's bad enough when, five years after PASPA was overturned, a state is still kicking around the idea of legalizing sports betting, but this is several levels worse than that, as on Monday night, hopes of Georgia legalizing this year died. There were numerous bills on the table some in the House, some in the Senate, some looking to make sports betting a ballot measure, some not. Uh, But one effort in the Senate failed to pass. It needed a two-thirds majority and got 30 of 56 votes, while another one in the House was never discussed on the House floor. So Here we are. I don't know why any state's legislative window would close for the year in early March, but Georgia's has closed. So it's on to hoping for 2024. And in other news, online casino legislation efforts have failed in Indiana for a third straight year as a bill that had been introduced never got heard in the House Public Policy Committee. Great system we have here. Introduce legislation. Don't discuss it. Deadline comes like 20% of the way into the year, and now we spend nine months waiting for them to start all over again. I guess Exasperated Eric is starting to come out. Uh, How's Exasperated Jeff feeling about all of this?
2: You know, I'm not exactly a student of history, Eric, but, you know, I swear shit like this. That makes me wonder how our little democracy <laughs> experiment has lasted this long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they meet for two months and they close up shop Texas every other year. The legislature, meets. <laughs> yeah. you know, in, here in New Jersey, I mean, we, our legislators are meeting year round for the most part. You know, shit gets done, whether or not it's stuff you wanted to see get done is a matter of discussion. But at least they're there. You know what I mean? Uh, and as far as, as as far as the sports betting piece of this goes in Georgia, I mean, what more can Georgia or any other state want? You know, we, we know people are betting illegally and everywhere, you know, where it's not legal. Mm. We have a five-year track record now of sports betting being legal. The sky is still above us. The sun still comes up in the morning. <laughs> people clearly want sports betting. I mean, will the people at this point? Like, ask Thomas Jefferson. You know, Lynn manuel Miranda could probably speak better on this subject. <laughs> Enough's enough. Like, this is just stupid. It's just stupid at right. this point, any state that can't get this done is doing their citizens a disservice because it's happening in every in all these other states and happening without issue without problems right get it done
1: yes i, I guess I won't say without any problems you know there is the responsible oh, gambling yes, aspect yes, yes, but yes. right right yes, but uh taking you less literally than the than then I just uh, attempted to take you. Yes, clearly it's working in all these other states and uh, they are doing their citizens a disservice. I mean, just from a personal selfishness level, um, I feel like it's it's fine. Take your time, Georgia. We don't want every state rolling out everything at once or we'll run out of news to cover. Um, so, you know, so no skin off my back if Georgia and Indiana drag their feet for another year or two. But yeah, I mean, for the people in those states who want to be able to gamble online legally, it's just absolutely sucks that they can't just hurry up and do what other states have successfully done. Um, and, and this Georgia stuff, the whole system, it, it's its annoying. So to get it on the ballot, it just needs a majority vote if, if they're doing that sort of measure. But the one that got the 30 yes votes and 26 no votes was a measure intended to skip the ballot and go straight to a constitutional amendment. And those need two thirds. And I'm sure these rules exist for a reason. I'm not so sure it's a good reason. It's probably something outdated that has to do with what you could barter your cow for at the time that the rules were introduced. Uh, And, of course, there was more important stuff going down in the Georgia legislature this week, uh, passing new laws to make it easy to fire and replace DAs who are investigating certain ex-presidents. So, uh, you know, Georgia sports betting doesn't totally have the national media's rapt attention here. Um, But... Uh. Should should we set an over under date for when Georgians will be able to legally bet on sports?
2: I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, a year and a half, one point five years. That's okay, your. That's so your currently
1: March 9th, so that would mean September ninth, twenty twenty four. I'll go. I'll, I'll go later than that. Yeah. Uh, I'll say. Yeah, maybe like twenty twenty four ballot measure passes. I'm thinking some. I think I'm thinking it's twenty twenty five before that you're actually betting legally in Georgia. Unfortunately, for our various Georgia Georgia-based listeners,
2: I'm ready for a benign dictator. <laughs> okay, good good I luck not, find good luck finding a benign one, Mr. Beast. Who's that? Mr. You don't know who Mr. Beast is? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, you got you got you ask your son. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh,
1: so I guess he's a YouTuber. He is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Uh,
1: All right, right. let's uh, let's turn the mood around with some relatively positive news for the sports betting industry. Massachusetts mobile betting launches tomorrow, Friday, uh, in time for March Madness, and with a few weeks to spare before the Red Sox's season begins, there will be seven mobile sportsbooks opening their virtual doors at once, and more to follow the state regulation allow for up to 15. Two other sports betting stories of note in Massachusetts this week. First, traditionalists are not going to be happy to learn that the green monster at Fenway Park is getting a tattoo. The Red Sox have partnered with BetMGM, so there will be a BetMGM logo on Major League Baseball's most famous wall, the one Ray Kinsella and his wife both had a dream about. Uh, And second, following up on a discussion from last week, Massachusetts regulators have changed their minds about banning affiliates like us. They're permitting affiliate marketing until at least April 14th while continuing to study the situation. Jeff, what's on your mind as Massachusetts prepares to become a real sports betting state where you can wager on your phone?
2: You know, before I answer that, I just want to talk about real quick the fact that we are an affiliate. I think it's worth noting here. I don't think we mentioned it enough, honestly, that and I'm speaking for myself here Mm -hmm. that we've I've never been told what I can or can't write about. You know what I mean? We are we are one thousand percent independent. I you know, I've written tons of critical pieces about the industry. I kinda like writing the critical pieces. They're more fun. But uh yeah, I think it's just worth mentioning. But be, yeah. beyond that, uh yeah, no, I don't want to see a bet MGM ad on the Green Monster. No. That I mean the Green Monster is it's it's a it's like the it's like the Wailing Wall. I mean you don't you don't you don't put a <laughs> you don't put an ad on the Wailing Wall. It's the Green Monster. You know? I mean, you're, gi- you're
1: giving you're giving whoever runs the Wailing Wall some ideas here, Jeff. I
2: mean, were there ads there before this? I don't know. <laughs> Or
1: no, uh, on the on the green story? monster?
2: Yeah,
1: uh, I don't. I'm not sure. Certainly I'm not. not sure either, certainly not sports book ads. But I'm just. Sure. I'm just saying the Wailing Wall. There
2: might be ads on that now if people listen um, to this podcast. I mean, it's not, maybe not the worst idea. But no, <laughs> I, can we can we leave a little bit of the tradition alone in baseball? I mean, next thing you're going to tell me they're going to be putting lights in Wrigley? I don't want to hear this <laughs> shit. <laughs> I haven't watched a lot of baseball recently.
1: So. No, apparently not. All right. I don't want uh, no, no spoilers, but uh, Google Google Wrigley when we get uh, when we get done podcasting. We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> um, so uh, in terms of the timing of this, uh, I should note that I don't follow college basketball closely, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there aren't any big deal Massachusetts teams these days. Um, but people love betting on March Madness, regardless of whether their local teams are any good, you know, like the Super Bowl march madness is, is an event of national betting interest you can be a non-fan all season and then get interested when the tournament starts so so i guess it was worth hitting this march 10th deadline that they're uh, poised to hit um, but i would think the bigger thing locally in massachusetts is uh, is being able to bet on your phones from fenway once baseball season starts um, one of our co-workers who's originally from the boston area Found the Green Monster news very upsetting, as as it seems you did. I don't know. Uh, for me, it's been a while now that all this stuff stopped feeling sacred. Uh, eventually, okay. eventually, they will be the Bet MGM Boston Red Sox, and uh, and there's nothing we can do about it.
2: Yeah, it's not a bad idea. We could do it like uh, like the Japanese baseball does it. it the teams are. It's not a city or a town. It's named right. after the business that owns them.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm I, we're, I'm sure we're headed there. First, it'll be that just that the business like gets a little patch on the on the uniform. And then before you know it, the, the team is named for the business that sponsors yeah. them. Um, by the way, I dropped the, the Ray Kinsella reference in there. Are you a Field of Dreams guy?
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I, uh, yeah, of course. Who's not? I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a male, you know,
1: I'm a be? <laughs> Okay, so so your pronouns are he him then. Okay, My good, pronouns good, are good to have defined him. that. Yeah, okay,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't. Uh, so I guess you've never met a non Field of Dreams person, but there definitely are people who feel that all the mystical aspects of the movie that they hate it, that they think it's uh, silly and stupid. But uh, I I can't you know I can't have a conversation with those people. But I was just curious. I'm glad to know you are a Field of Dreams guy.
2: No, just thinking about it makes me cry. <laughs>
1: all right, do do I need to give you a break?
2: No, you, you, I mean, you take I'll, a few I'll, deep
1: breaths before we continue.
2: I'll get I'll get through, but you know the waterworks are starting here. Yeah, no, it's uh, how can you not get how, uh, can, you get not? Your, how yeah. can you not here? Yeah, I don't know. Je- Jeff,
1: do you want do you want to go have a catch? <laughs>
2: Come on, man!
1: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's change the subject. Let's move on to our third item, about which I have very little to say until I hear what you have to say, Jeff. Uh, you attended an industry event in your home state of New Jersey this week, the Seton Hall Law Gaming Law Compliance and Integrity Boot Camp. So uh, let me and the listeners know about the highlights and lowlights. And and was the term boot camp warranted? Was this grueling enough to be called a boot camp?
2: Uh, well, it was pretty much a room full of lawyers and me. So yeah, I'm going to say 100% grueling <laughs> enough to be called a boot camp. Okay. Uh, the, I, I, I am not a fan of Listening to people talk i I'm not sure exactly what to say about that I mean it you know uh, you know whether it's the gambling industry or you know in my other old life, you know it was a newspaper column. it's just like having to sit through i don't know it's hard. It's I don't have the patience, you know just tell me what right. what, what what's the news? Let me write this news story, and then we just let me get out of here, so yeah, it was a boot camp, but uh where was <laughs> I? Oh yeah, yeah, I was there for the day uh mm-hmm. honestly, I mean the one thing the the big takeaway for me was the article that I wrote, I think it was on Sports Handle, about how different state regulators are handling all this hand-wringing over the advertising issue. Mm -hmm. And so you had regulators from New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, and New York there. New York treats it like a dictatorship. They just make the rules. They don't care what the operators think. New Jersey is more like a democracy. They're engaging with the operators to see what they have to say. Pennsylvania is just – literally waiting to see what everyone else does before they take any action. Right. And Colorado is like, well, you know, laissez-faire. They're like, it, the operators should be handling this. They shouldn't have, you know, we shouldn't have to regulate them. They should do, you know, they should have their own best practices. So that was kind of fascinating to see. Uh, no consensus, really, right. except that, like, the advertising is chained, is going to change a little bit, but – you know, I don't know. I don't need to go to another boot camp. If that's what you're asking. <laughs> okay, I, I won't uh, insist that we send you to any.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you you sent me a Slack message or two while you were there, and uh, let's just say I was not jealous at all uh, to to uh, of your, of you going there.
2: I did get breakfast and lunch. So that, that helps.
1: Okay. All
2: right. Good. Jeff has been fed.
1: Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like up to a point, the regulators who are buckling down on advertising, I I think up to a point, it's a good thing and it's warranted, but then past a certain point, they're just meddling. And I think New York has already kind of crossed that point. Um, you know, full credit though to states like Ohio and Massachusetts for at least bringing about a change to end the risk-free language. I, I yeah. think it's hard to argue the other side of that one, but but mostly I agree with the, the David Reebuck New Jersey approach of let's be hands off and and step in when we need to step in, sort of being more reactive than proactive. I I'm fine with that attitude.
2: Yeah, I mean I've written plenty of pieces about how this yeah you know, some of this advertising is terrible. Uh, the risk-free was ridiculous because that's just, that was a patent lie. And, uh, you know, but yeah, the sports book should smarten up at this point and like get, sit down amongst themselves and like be, you know, be smart. Like, let's not, don't, don't, don't encourage regulators to have to look at you. Right. Yes.
1: Um, by the way, tangentially related, did you have a chance yet to read, uh, Mike Sealy's piece this morning on the sped up ringer podcast ads?
2: No, I haven't. Okay,
1: I will. I will I, I'll, I'll give the, uh, the 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 quick overview as we make uh, yet another uh, Bill Simmons reference here on, on the pod this week. But basically, that he, he it, for all I know, he might have blown the whistle on them by asking the Ohio Casino Control Commission how they felt about the ringer's ads. And uh, uh, spoiler for the story: soon after that, the ads got slowed down to a normal speed. But basically the he noticed on on ringer podcast that they would do these ads for Fanduel, and when they got to the helpline responsible gambling part at the end it was clearly sped up like it's not like just that they were talking fast they actually manipulated the audio to get through that part faster um now i i probably never would have noticed i listened to podcasts at 2.5x anyway, especially Simmons. He, he talks way too slowly for me. I need to speed him up. Um, and once the ads start, I always hit the fast forward 30 seconds button uh, until the ad is over. So I had never noticed the disclaimers being sped up, but but they certainly were. Mike uh, provided clips in the article and, and it was blatant. You couldn't make out the phone numbers. So uh,
2: I'm glad that has
1: been uh, remedied here during uh, Problem Gambling Awareness Month.
2: Yeah, though I mean, I I cannot imagine those disclaimers ever do anything.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting. He uh, he talked to uh, our friend Keith White uh, for the article, right. who basically he had an an interesting idea of instead of putting a requiring a disclaimer on every ad, it should be that like one out of every four ads strictly is a responsible gambling ad. That you know yeah. you get you um. get. Three three out of four that that are just ads for the site, and then the fourth one is just uh, a, a response bringing awareness to responsible gambling and telling you. And again, Keith saying there should be the single centralized number that he talked about uh, with us, the one eight hundred gambler. Right. So, uh, but it, it was uh, it was it was just kind of interesting to to know that they were manipulating these ads because they know that their listeners don't want to sit through all these forty different numbers for for no, for what of course not.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, I, but I agree.
1: I'll note to any prospective uh, Gamble On sponsors, uh, pay us enough, and we will read your ads as painstakingly slowly as you want us to.
0: 100%. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's
2: get to the Gamble On interview.
1: This week, we're setting a new record for quickest turnaround time between a gamble on guests first appearance and second appearance which our guest should probably take as a sign that we really enjoyed talking to him about three months ago. Uh, the Academy Awards are this Sunday night. So for a final discussion of the Oscars' betting odds, we welcome back Gold Derby Digital Director Chris Rosen. Chris, thanks for joining us again on Gamble On.
3: Thank you. That's such a great honor. I'm I'm, I'm so pleased to, to be a returning guest. That's great.
1: <laughs> Not just a returning guest, but a record-setting,
2: record-setting
3: returning Record-setting <laughs> returning
2: guest. That's what I mean. Wow. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't think Lonnie Anderson came on as quickly on The Carson Show, you know, no. back to back.
3: If I had an Oscar I'd like to thank the academy I guess. I right.
1: All right, perfect transition there uh, with that reference. Uh let, let's start with uh, best picture where yeah uh, so, everything everywhere is viewed in the betting odds as, as a commanding favorite. Mm-hmm. But it would seem to me that the the preferential voting system could open the door for an upset more than would be the case if everyone just voted for their favorite movie cuz some percentage of the voting body figures to rank everything everywhere near the bottom. Would you agree with that, and and would that make, say, all quiet on the Western Front a value play this week at plus fourteen hundred, or should we just accept that the favorite is going to win this year and that's that?
3: If everything everywhere does not win, it would it would go down in history as one of the most historic upsets I would say ever because it's won every award really uh every guild award it won the pga awards it won the directors guild awards it won the writers guild awards it won at the sag awards that's like an almost unbeatable combination it did lose at the bafta awards though to all quiet on the western front so if you're wondering oh maybe it could win uh all quiet on the western front it's not a bad shot in the dark honestly it, it it's still a value play i guess in that regard but I, I you would have to it would take a lot i think for that to happen Everything Everywhere won on a preferential ballot at the PGA Awards. It did not have to face off against All Quiet on the Western Front at the PGA Awards. So you could say that it's never actually battled All Quiet in that format. And then maybe All Quiet would emerge. But I think while I agree it will end up on the bottom of some people's ballots, it seems like industry-wide, Everything Everywhere is beloved. So even if there are a pocket of people who are like, I don't like this movie or I'm not going to rank it in my top three, I don't think there's enough of them to actually knock it off. So if if there was an alternate, I think it would be every, uh, every all quiet on the Western Front. Some pundits have even you know gone on a limb on that front as well, uh, but I'm not going to do that. So <laughs> okay. I'm sticking with everything everywhere. And what one other long shot that I'm curious about with with
1: the preferential voting could it could it somehow possibly lead to a Top Gun Maverick victory? It's it's a not an Oscars-y movie at all, but but it does seem the kind of movie that could be like almost everybody's third choice. Is, there, is that a a
3: slim hope or a, or a no hope in your view? I mean, I'll say slim hope because it would be my number one. I loved it, okay. uh, it was the most. It was the best. Uh, but And I think if it was going to win anything, it probably would have won at the PGA Awards because it was a preferential ballot there. It was up against everything everywhere. And you figure a Producers Guild Awards, producers are going to love movies that make a lot of money this year. I think there were four sequels in, in there. So it's like that's kind of what the producers are thinking of beyond – maybe even more like Oscar traditional Oscar fair and everything ever still won at the producers guild awards over top gun. So I'd say it's it, if you want to take a stab at it, why not? But like, I don't, I think if, I think my top three are everything everywhere, all quiet and top gun. I think those are the top three that you would expect to perform really well, but I don't think anything is going to stop everything everywhere.
2: Gotcha. Speaking of not stopping everything everywhere. Last time we talked, I was I, I, I put it to you. I think it, the Spielberg was a sure thing to win Best Director. <laughs> uh, he was minus 200 at the time. Now he's like I've seen as like plus 850 plus 900, uh, which is surprising to me because like, you know, the the, the the story always seems to be that Hollywood loves a story, you know. And like this is Spielberg's autobiographical film. This is like almost, you know. Almost, a, you, know, you might you know you might look back and say this is the capstone to a career. It just seemed like this was a, 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 they were just going to hand it to him on a silver platter. But the Daniels have just been winning everything, everywhere. No pun intended, or actually maybe pun intended. But uh, I mean, do you, do, is there? Is, do you think there's room for an upset here? Can Spielberg come roaring back and take this home?
3: So. Everything says no, but I do think there is room. I, maybe I'm just going to, I don't want to give up the ghost because I agree. I, I love Steven Spielberg. I thought the movie was great. And when we spoke last time, I was like, he's definitely going to win. It seemed like no doubt he would win. But what happened is he didn't win really a lot of anything. He won at the Golden Globes, which doesn't really have any kind of effect on the Oscar race beyond visibility because none of the people who vote for the Golden Globes are actually in the Academy. He wasn't even nominated at BAFTA. Couldn't even make uh, the short list there, I don't believe. So it's just is like, he's missed a lot of spots even if he wanted the DGA awards, I think he still would be behind here. That said, I usually go by who's doing a lot of campaigning, right? At the end here, it's just like visibility and momentum. The Daniels have won everything, like you said. They won at the WAGA awards. They won at the Spirit Awards. They won anything they've had a chance to win. They've won and they've given a ton of speeches. But Spielberg himself has not really stopped promoting the movie or him his candidacy, right? He's done like high profile interviews and everybody's kind of like love Steven Spielberg. I could see it happening if like, on Sunday night, if he won, I would be like, man, I knew he was going to win, but I'm not ready to predict it just because I think everything <laughs> is pointing towards the Daniels. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the thing is the Daniels could win producer as the win best picture as producers of, of everything everywhere. They're a very strong chance to win best screenplay. And then they'd also win best director. That's three Oscars in the same night. We've seen that before. It's it, But it seems like kind of wild that these directors who not a lot of people had heard of maybe this time last year uh and on a broad scale uh, are going to win three oscars and like someone like steven spielberg only has two oscars in his whole career you know that kind of thing so mm-hmm. if people start thinking that way then maybe they're like oh i don't need to give the daniels best director i'm already giving them best screenplay but at the same time they just love the movie so they're probably just going to check it down the line but i think spielberg is still a value play but i i, I want to predict him so badly but i can't do it uh so i'm gonna stick with daniels but yeah i don't disagree
2: Right, I'm putting more money on speed. I was, I was just going to say that <laughs> Jeff
1: heard enough to to throw a little more out there at plus 850. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> plus 850. Come on. How could you say no to that?
1: <laughs> All right. Let, let's move to some categories where there isn't uh, a, a runaway favorite mm-hmm. the way that everything everywhere is in those t- two categories we discussed. The, the best supporting actress odds are fascinating. Uh, three contenders all priced almost identically uh we have Angela bassett uh, last I checked she's plus 130 Jamie Lee Curtis plus 165 and Carrie Condon plus 175 who's your money on there and and can you recall the last time a major category was this wide open with three or more contenders this late in the game
3: I, I honestly can I mean like the race most com- people have talked about is like maybe like Sylvester Stallone versus Mark Rylance we've seen like stuff like that I, I mean my money is, uh, on. I'm would. i picking Carrie Condon here mm. uh, because I think all three of these actresses have won significant awards in theory. Angela Bassett won at the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards. Again, those are critical awards, not uh, Academy and industry members, but that was a chance for people to see her on stage giving a speech, and she reminded everybody that she's Angela Bassett, and she's never won an Oscar, and it's like a great narrative. Uh, then Jamie Lee Curtis won at the SAG Awards and had similar narrative, and then Carrie Condon won at BAFTA Awards, and I think Harry Condon will end up winning in a similar way that Mark Rylance won. And maybe in a similar way that like Mirza Tomei won against Lauren Bacall way back uh, in the nineties is that, Or you could any. I think the narrative on Angela Bassett and Jamie Lee Curtis is great. Everyone loves those actresses, and they've never won an Oscar. But when push comes to shove, do they really love those performances? They definitely love the actresses, and they definitely love at least everything, everywhere, all at once is a movie. But I think from a performance standpoint, Kerry Condon maybe has them both beat in the in the in the industry, and so. I think in the end, that BAFTA one will be a lot because I think Jamie Lee Curtis and Angela Bassett could risk canceling each other out. Jamie Lee Curtis also has Stephanie Shu in her category from Everything Everywhere who has a great performance as well. She hasn't really won a lot of anything, but there's enough support for her as a performer that maybe she kind of knocks Jamie Lee down a little bit and then Kerry Conda wins a close race. This is one of those years where I'm like, I wish they would release the the vote totals because I think this will be like... You know, there's like 10,000 people in the academy. I think this could really be within like 100 votes between like first and third, honestly, uh, because it's so close between these three. But I'm going to go Carrie Condon just for those reasons. I think in the end, the BAFTA win will be a canary in the coal mine for her.
1: And and it sounds like your your opinion, if you were voting, is that Kerry Condon is actually the deserving winner, best of the best performance among these three.
3: I think so. I mean, I think if I was doing it, Kerry Condon would also be my winner there. Angela Bassett's great in Black Panther, will kind of forever, but I can't. I keep bumping up against the fact that like. She would be the first actress to ever win for a Marvel movie. They obviously have some kind of, there's not a great embrace of Marvel product at the Academy, though Black Panther obviously originally was. And this movie has been sort of, but I'm just like, I think there are better, nothing against Angela Bassett, who I love, but I'm like, you didn't nominate Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther originally. That is a better performance to me, pound for pound. And he could have won maybe that year, but he doesn't even get nominated. Are you going to give it to Angela Bassett for this performance? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see it, but again, on sunday night if they're like oh angela bassett won i mean like these are beloved figures in the industry though i will say in the past the academy has not been as sentimental as you might think because like even a few years ago think about anthony hopkins versus chadwick Bozeman. chadwick boseman right. had the great narrative obviously because he sadly had died and uh anthony hopkins still won because when push came to shove everyone loves it. chadwick Bozeman, but they went with a performance maybe they like better
1: so. yeah. And then that was like the ultimate proof that the people running the Oscars didn't actually know whose names yes. were in the envelope when they scheduled that <laughs> award for last. And then there's Anthony Hopkins via satellite accepting <laughs>
3: certainly unbelievable.
2: You know, there was another race that was looking like a three person race. And I guess it technically still is. But I mean, it, I think it, the best actor race seems to be Austin Butler and Brandon Fraser, But uh, Colin Farrell's still probably hanging around here. I mean, he, he was like he seemed to be well i don't want to say anything early, but it earlier, but it's it seemed to be him and fraser for most of the race and you know butler winning the globe and then butler won uh where did he yeah. win again bafta right so i mean what where where do you lie here i know like you know people hate the whale apparently
3: the See, Will is, is definitely more polarizing of the, right. of, the of the three. Uh, not and did not get a best picture nomination here. Usually best actor maybe correlates with best picture a little more. Also, I think 7 of the last 10 acting best actor winners played a real life person. So when you put mm. those two things together, I think Austin Butler ends up being the winner here. Colin Farrell, I thought for a long time we would even have a three-person race here because I thought he would win at BAFTA, which is kind of like home field advantage for him. And Banshees and Sharon did really well there because Kerry Condon and Barry Keoghan won surprising wins. And then Colin still didn't win at BAFTA. So that leads me to believe that there is a lot of support for Austin Butler, especially internationally. And then Brendan obviously won at the SAG Awards. SAG Awards are sometimes less predictive of the Oscars because it's a much larger group. You're talking about SAG and AFTRA. So it's actors and like, you know, audio engineers, all these different things in the union. And then they love those kind of comeback narratives at at SAG. And you saw this year, Q Kwan won, Jamie Lee Curtis won, Brendan Fraser won, and Michelle Yeoh won, right? Those are like the best narratives of the group. They all won. Uh, So I do think Austin Butler will win playing a real life person. This is also really close, but I would, even though Brendan Fraser could win, and it would not shock me if he did win, I think when you're breaking it down, having the best picture, the, the Elvis is the stronger movie uh playing a real person always works and austin butler has really done well in places maybe you didn't think he would like bafta because it's like obviously elvis is an american icon uh first perhaps even though obviously he's worldwide famous uh you know maybe you didn't think he would win there and he did so i think i think austin butler will win but it is very very close and, and our i mean like that is i think the closest race in our our site like very very evenly matched those two between who's pre- predicting so
2: Quick bonus question for you over under a number of references to Chris Rock and or Will Smith.
3: I did like I probably would take the over. I think be, like I was just reading an interview with Jimmy Kimmel where he's like, obviously, I'm going to mention it. I can't imagine that people aren't going to mention it. And it depends who the presenters are. If there are comics up there, they will definitely mention it. Uh, I would say if if the over under is like three, I would take the over. If the over under is like five, I might take the over. too. <laughs> pretty, pretty popular, I would say. Could we even possibly
1: get like a full on spoof of it? Jimmy Kimmel during his monologue, someone walks up and it looks like they're about to slap him. Do you think they would go that far?
3: I don't think I'm going to say no to that, but I think I I would say take the down on that. But over on the references. All
1: right. This this has been great. Uh, Always, uh, always good talking to you, Chris. And I think uh, Jeff comes out of this armed with several new wagers he's uh, strongly considering making. Uh, I I can see the gears turning in his mind every time you start to say that there's some value on that one. So uh,
2: I'd be embarrassed to show the both of you my Google Doc of my Oscar bet so far. (laughs) They are they are rich and varied.
1: <laughs> I I think at this point though I think you're ready to just uh, put it all on uh, everything everywhere at minus seven hundred. Every every penny you have left is going on that movie at this point to make okay. up for all, everything you're going to lose on Spielberg.
2: <laughs>
1: Chris, uh, thanks again for for coming on the podcast. Uh, I'll let everyone know you can find uh, Chris's work at goldderby.com dot com and follow him on Twitter at Chris J Rosen. Great talking to you, and uh, enjoy uh, Oscars night. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me back.
0: Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the gamble on
2: bankroll.
1: Let's update our betting bankroll and it was an eventful week that turned out not that eventful in the final tally. Uh, I didn't quite hold up my end. I went 1 for 4 on my boxing bets and got my +105 underdog way wrong. And then the guy I bet on to win by KO and by KO in rounds 10 through 12, Brandon Figueroa came close. His opponent was wearing down late, but he lasted the distance. So those bets lost. The one that won was the one that I said I didn't really think was going to win. I just liked the plus 310 price on Armando Rosendez versus Jared Hurd. Rosendez pulled off the upset via 10th round stoppage. So we won $124 on that but lost $200 on the other three bets combined for a loss of $76 on my end. Uh, Jeff, meanwhile, you only had one bet graded, but it turned out an interesting result. Keegan Bradley for the top 10, he ended up in a four-way tie for 10th through 13th. So you get one quarter of the pot. You bet $100 at plus 450, so one quarter of 550 is $137.50. We don't bother with cents, and... uh what the hell, we, we bend over backward to be nice to ourselves and round that 50 cents up. So in the end, your bet profited $38. That means we lost $38 combined for the week. We're now down by $1,044. We have $1,130 on hold in futures bets, much of which will be decided Sunday at the Oscars. Uh, so that leaves us with $7,826 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, Jeff.
2: All right, since I'm done betting the Oscars, now it's on to the next information market. The NFL draft. Uh, this is a double dipper here for my first bet. Okay. Uh, Bijan, I'm saying it right, Bijan Robinson. I believe so. Yes. Uh, I two bets. First bet, fifty bucks to the Eagles at plus one thousand, mm. and then the second bet, fifty bucks to the Lions at plus six fifty. Hmm. Okay. So both of those are at FanDuel. You know, every mock I've seen, he's going to one or the other. Uh, it, it's, he's a real interesting, you know, he, he's clearly like he, he they saying he's the best, you know, running back coming out of the drafts in Saquon, but teams now are realizing that, you know, wasting a pick or drafting a running back high is not ideal. If he falls to the, I, I think both teams would definitely benefit from this guy. I mean, the Eagles right. are moving on from Sanders, right? The lions never seem comfortable with Deandre Swift. I, I don't know. I, 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 I like one or the other here. So I'm betting both. Okay. I,
1: I I haven't even looked at the draft order, but I guess the Eagles pick right near the end of the, the first round and the Lions, I guess, like slightly they, after the midpoint, like late teens
2: or 20th or yeah, somewhere around line, there. Lines, I mean, the Lions have two picks. One of They're okay. not going to take it with the first one, but they pick again at the 18th. And there, there's, there, there are going to be – I mean, there are going to be trades this year. The right, NFL draft right. market uh, – which I love betting uh, even more than the Oscars, is going to be – this is going to be the wildest one that I bet. I'm, I'm positive of it. There are so many question marks heading into it.
1: Okay. Um, well, you're done with Oscars bets, but I'm not quite. I'm going to do one more. Uh, even before uh, Chris Rosen made the case for Kerry Condon, I was already looking at that potential for – Angela Bassett, Lifetime Achievement Votes, and Jamie Lee Curtis, Lifetime Achievement Votes, canceling each other out, figuring Condon likely has slightly better than just a one in three chance. Um, The odds I had seen were plus 175, which seemed, you know, close enough to value to consider. But then I asked you, you Jeff, with access to all those New Jersey odds to shop around for me. And you informed me that Caesars had plus 240 on Kerry Condon. Um, look, I haven't seen Banshees of Inishirin. Haven't seen Wakanda forever. I only saw the first 25 minutes of everything everywhere. But uh, Chris says Condon gave the best performance. Plus, uh, as he pointed out, supporting actress is a category where they often reward the younger, lesser-known nominee. So, plus two forty seems like a hell of a price. Let's go a hundred dollars to win two forty
2: on Kerry Condon. Very good. All right, uh, I'm going back to the draft. Okay, uh, C.J. Stroud going number one at plus three fifty at Caesars. Uh, give me a hundred bucks there. Okay. Uh, so you're not
1: you're, you're not you're not moved by the uh, combine performance of uh, Richardson.
2: No, I think Richardson's awesome, and right. and somebody's, somebody's going to take him, and I I think he'll be top ten. Uh, I don't think I don't think anyone's going to trade to number one to get him. Uh, right. And Bryce Young, teams are not some teams simply will not take him because of his height. So it really just depends who trades up for the pick here. Right. Um, I, I, so I think Strata plus three fifty is great value, uh, and I also think that in a week or two or three, I'm going to come back and tell you Bryce Young at. <laughs> At, at plus you know it's probably going to be plus money at some point you know what i'm saying right. so like you know I, that's why i love these markets you know i look at my oscar bets i was like you know i got everything everywhere plus 1400 to win best picture you know mm-hmm. what i mean you right. know i like betting these things early and often cuz so much changes you know where where was that
1: everything everywhere 1400 bet for the for the podcast bankroll jeff
2: that well, that's I mean I, I I sprinkled a little bit here, there, and everywhere right. when the, when they first came out. You know, right. I mean I have the Fableman's at Best Picture as well. You know, <laughs> I mean it wasn't even nominated. Right. But uh, yeah. But no, but <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll I'll start sprinkling. Well, uh, that's what I'm trying to do here with the job. Trying right. To sprinkle right. early. Yeah. You know? No, this this
1: seems like a good number on Stroud, and I do think uh, yeah, you the, if you time it right, you'll get him at him at plus three fifty, and later maybe get Young at the same price, and Richardson right. at like. Plus plus a thousand or something. I mean, have I'm, a piece I, of all of them.
2: To be honest, I am holding a bunch of Richardson at plus five thousand. So oh, I am wow. okay. I, I am a, I am hoping that that does happen, but I, I don't see it happening unless right. things you know change dramatically. Right.
1: We'll see. Okay. Um, so for my second bet, uh, I wrote a whole article Monday about why Patrick Mahomes at plus seven hundred for MVP next NFL season, which is the price where a couple of sports books have him, is just too good a value to pass up. If they're going to price Mahomes around 6 to 1, 7 to 1, 8 to 1, you should just bet him every year. Uh, he he's going to win this more than once every 6 or 7 years. And if he wins it exactly once in the next 7 years, you come out ahead betting him at 7 to 1 each year. There is the fact that you're tying up money for 11 months. That's that's a real world concern for a lot of bettors. It's not a concern with our bankroll. Uh, you know, Maybe if we were down to our last $2,000, then I shouldn't be tying up 100 bucks for 11 months. But we have plenty of wiggle room. It's pretend money that we can't invest in a low-yield account somewhere else. Uh, there's no harm in tying the money up. So we can make these pure value plays. Mahomes comes into every season with, I think, a a one in four chance of winning MVP. Uh, you can read my article on U.S. Bets if you want a further breakdown, if you want to know why so-called voter fatigue is a total myth that uh, that hasn't mattered since the end of Michael Jordan's prime more than 25 years ago. If Mahomes is the best quarterback next season and the Chiefs have one of the best records, he will win his second in a row and third overall. So let's go $100 to win $700 on Patrick Mahomes and uh, I know it's only March but uh, as a wise man posited on sports handle this week the NFL is a year round sport. That's very
2: true, very true. Uh all right, my last one, this is another falling asleep to golf podcast bet. Uh <laughs> which which have been relatively successful so far for us. So I, we're going to keep this one going. This is a tiny one. 100 bucks at plus 125. This is a very non-edelstein like bet here. Yeah. 100 bucks at plus 125 for Jason Day to finish top 20 at the players right now.
1: Okay. Uh, just because just someone, as you were nodding off, said so.
2: More than someone. Like, everyone's saying it. So I, okay. I figured, you know, I, you know, I've been sleeping with Jason Day all week, and so <laughs> I might as well put some fake money on him. All
1: right. So no pro wrestling bets from you, huh? I thought for sure you'd make a WrestleMania bet on the off chance Michigan approves WWE betting.
2: I yeah you know I haven't followed wrestling in a long time. i I'll have to start boning up if that's the case. <laughs>
1: there There's definitely no shortage of podcasts you can be listening to. I'll tell you all that
2: right.
1: much. <laughs> uh, all right, well, for my last bet, I'm going with the closest thing we have to wrestling, uh, same style ring, more or less, uh, this week's uh, boxing bet here. A fantastic fight on paper in Australia Saturday night, our time, uh, Sunday afternoon, their time. Tim Zhu, the son of Hall of Famer Kosti Zhu, is an undefeated rising superstar in Australia. He's very good as sons of great fighters go. He faces his toughest challenge yet in Detroit's Tony Harrison, an excellent veteran boxer, although one who can be a bit chinny and can fade late in fights. Zhu is the modest favorite here. Uh, Last week, you'll recall I took Figueroa by KO when the odds suggested Figueroa by decision was the more likely outcome. Uh, This time I'm flipping the script. The odds say Zoo by KO is slightly more likely than by decision because of Harrison's tendency to fade and get stopped late. But I think the two scenarios are about equally likely making Zoo by decision. The value play again. It's in Australia and uh, it's not nearly as fixed as WWE. But if the rounds are close, if the decision is close, it's probably going to go Zoo's way. Um, there are a lot of good betting options here. I'm not opposed to the Harrison upset bet at about plus two hundred if you like it. But I'm going to go with Tim Zoo by decision at plus two thirty at Fox Bet fifty dollars to
2: win one hundred fifteen dollars. All right. The the spelling on Zoo is. <laughs> Fantastic! You know, I, I, it brings back memories of Bobby Chez
1: Oh yes, you're right. He was C Z Y Z, I believe, yeah, for Ches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tim Zhu. For those uh, who aren't looking at the outline where I jotted his name down, is uh, T S Z Y U. Which I, the first time I saw his father's name, Costas uh, Zhu, uh, I was sure I, w- I definitely mispronounced it, Sizu or something like that. Before I, Cizu, uh before I got it right. But yep, just pronounced like as if it's Z O O.
2: By the way, one you gotta remind me one thing. I gotta tell you my Bobby Chez story. It's a good one.
1: You don't want to do it today? You wanna to save it?
2: Well, I can do it right now, you real quick. You ready for a Bobby Chez story? Yeah, give me a Bobby Ches story. So I was a big boxing fan when I was a kid. Like I you know, I and like a teenager, you know. So this right. is like the eighties and Bobby Chez was the light heavyweight champ. Uh WB which one? I forget. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But he was he was a <laughs> champ. You know, a New Jersey guy, right? Right. So and uh I, I I I this is the most New Jersey story ever. I walk into Crazy Eddie right with my dad, <laughs> okay. and and there's Bobby Ches like he's like hanging out like just shopping, you know, uh-huh. talking to somebody. And uh, you know, Bobby Ches wasn't exactly a household name, but I, I'm like, hey, aren't you Bobby Ches? He's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, oh, how cool. And then he says. Hey, I, I my buddy works here. I was brought my videotape of the fight I just had. We were going to watch it together. You want to watch it with us? I'm like, yeah, I do. And so I watched like Bobby Ches like his. I forget who the fight was against, but I'm I'm sitting there with Bobby Ches watching him fight, and he's uh-huh. like going through. He's like, yeah, he came in here with the left, so I wanted to double. you know. He's like going through the whole thing. It was awesome, awesome,
1: very cool. I, I too have a Bobby Ches story that uh, actually involves me sort of getting punched by Bobby Ches, which is too good a tease to uh, to tell you the story right now. I'm going I'm gonna let it simmer.
2: I'd like to see Bobby Ches hit you.
1: It was it was only sort of a punch, all right, but uh, uh, all right, we'll we'll let the, we'll let that dangle till next week.
2: <laughs>
1: all right, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble on. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to this week's guest, Chris Rosen. Who uh, you better believe Chris will be back when uh, Emmy season rolls around. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein. And follow US bets at US underscore bets. Go to com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else.
2: And with that, Jeff, please take us out. I mean, I, I legitimately think Bobby Ches's ears are currently ringing right now somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, I got to highlight this again. I spit this out like kind of out of nowhere last week, and then I, I ended up writing about it yesterday. And I, I'd, I'd like to just bring it up one more time. How in the hell does state lotteries get a pass when? All these legislators are like wringing their hands over sports betting advertising. Let', let, let, let f- quick five points here. Okay, lotteries handle more money than legalized sports betting. All right, they have a hold of thirty six percent. Thirty six percent is the hold on lottery compared to eight percent in sports betting. State lottery spend almost six hundred million dollars a year on advertising. They're allowed to sell to eighteen year olds, and they use beloved cartoon characters to sell their product but these holier than thou politicians they want to ban sports betting advertising they're likening it to Joe Campbell? are you freaking kidding me this is ridiculous i mean i really i don't understand one form of gambling's okay the other one oh god forbid now we we have to start legislating the hell out of it listen the only reason's true right because you know the states are making half the money you know, right. on these lottery sales. I mean, that's why they're getting a pass. It's ridiculous. Now, listen, I'm done. You'll excuse me. I got to go run out, buy a few scratches with cartoon characters on them so I can gamble the F on.